to uh, uh, welcome our live audience. your hands together this morning. Uh, it's good. See some special faces. All your faces are special. See some special faces. Those of you online, I can't see your face, but I'm sure you're special as well. If you took the time to tune in, you're special. So we appreciate you. We thank you. I feel like I'm just saying I appreciate it. I appreciate it, but it's true because no one has to do anything for you. I'm not just talking about church, but as people, no one has to do anything for us. No one has to smile at us, open the door. And so when we have an attitude of gratitude, it just makes things a lot better. We could be sour. We could be mad. We could be upset. But why live like that? How about we just have a thankful heart? And so I'm going to show you that I'm thankful. You know, the older you get, the more thankful you become. When you're young and immature, everything bothers you and you're always complaining but the older you get, you, you start beginning to thank God for every breath that you get, for waking up in the morning, hallelujah, everything. And so I, I, I'm, I'm grateful that we have that, and I just do appreciate you. Now, next month is Pastor Appreciation Month, not just mine, but throughout the, uh, throughout the globe, it's, uh, they use October as Pastor Appreciation Month. But I feel like it doesn't make sense to appreciate the pastor if the pastor doesn't appreciate the people. So let me make sure I let you know I just appreciate you. Amen? All right. Having said that, we are going to move right into the word of God for this morning. So let's grab our Bibles in our hands. And I'll use this time to say how appreciative I am that one of our prison inmates got me, my wife, and my mother this, these beautiful Bibles use their money behind bars just to say that they appreciate the church, they appreciate the prayers. And so even though I do uh, my scripture digitally, every time we do our confession now, it makes me so proud to grab this Bible and say that. So let's just repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me this word. Amen. If you believe it, you can go ahead and make some noise again. 
Now let's move on into the word of God for this morning. It's quite interesting. Uh, I'm just going to start off with this. Uh, I'll go ahead and throw the title out up front. So go ahead and put the title up. A generous heart. A generous heart. I'm being quite generous with my gratitude today, but we're going to talk about a generous heart. And somebody be like, oh, Jesus, I showed up on the money sermon Sunday. Well, not, not, actually, not actually. Nothing wrong with money sermons necessarily, but that's not really where we're going today. So just, just stay with me. But, but let's, let's do some defining, because when, when I begin to look at words and define words, you see that many times that we take words, especially in church, and we pigeonhole them to only mean one thing. So whenever you bring them up in a service, People are only thinking one way, but words, especially words, especially the etymology of words, words have several different meanings. And so let's look at generous. Let's put this definition up. There's two. Uh, I, I, I chose two. There's several of them. I chose these two definitions. One, showing a readiness to give something, not just money, but to give something larger or more plentiful than is usual or necessary, going above and beyond. Number two, showing kindness toward others. You, you, you know, possibly, Marvin, you wouldn't need to be doing what you do tomorrow if people would just started operating in kindness. If we could get back to the basics of just being kind. But we get so caught up in what I'm going through, what I'm dealing with. And, and I'm not trying to talk about y'all. Let me talk about me. I drive to work. I got a 45-minute drive one way to work. But I get mad at people because I left late. <laughs> I want folk to get out of my way because I'm trying to go to work. It's not their fault that I didn't leave early. But I want to get out of my way because they're driving the speed limit or five over, I want to go 10, 15 over. I want them out of my way. But sometimes we get so caught up in what we're doing that we forget the basics of having a generous heart. Now, now I understand the world struggling, but when you got mean, nasty, ugly Christians, it, it, it doesn't quite jive well with what we preach. So we got to get back to the basics of just, just having a, a kind heart. A thankful heart. When's the last time, let's talk to you, us married people, when's the last time you just said thank you because your spouse did something or do you always take it for granted? Do you take it for granted no matter who pays the bills? If it's, let's say it's the wife that pays the light bill. Do you take it for granted when you flip the light on that the light's always going to be on? Or do you ever say thank you? Or when food is fixed, do you ever say Thank you. When the house is clean, do you ever say thank you? Sometimes we get so caught up in what's going on in our life, we forget basic human principles. And if we could get back to that, we could shift and adjust this entire world. But the world is looking at us, and we're not always the best at it. So we're going to have to dig in that a little bit today. Let's, let's give us some synonyms of the word generous. Kind was one of the first ones benevolent. Then it says charitable, which does include money, but it could be more than that. But look at some of these other words, noble, 
honorable, good, unselfish, self-sacrificing, unprejudiced, big-hearted, and magnanimous. Now, that magnanimous, when I looked at, actually, it was the first word of the sentence in the dictionary that I was looking at, or actually not the dictionary, the source I was looking up, magnanimous was the first word, and it was in all caps, but I put it at the bottom because I don't want to talk about it now. I want to talk about it later, and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it later because I had forgot what it meant. I had seen the word before, but I had to look it up myself because I had forgot what it meant, so we're going to talk about it later, but put those definitions back up just for a second because what I want to uh, point out is the second to last one says big hearted and we're going to talk about a generous heart and in order to do that I, I want to frame this sermon or this talk because I'm going to take my, my time I, I won't hold you forever because you know we got we to watch the Colts later so I, I won't hold you forever and as bad as they're playing me I, I should preach to halftime but anyway I, I, I want to frame this sermon and I want to hang it on two main questions I, I, I want the framework of this sermon to hang on these two major questions. And as we work through these two main questions, we're going to begin to see what it means to have a generous heart. So the two main questions that I want to use, let's start off with number one. Does your generosity, let's go back to number one, does your generosity begin and end with your hands or does it begin and end with your heart. Like I said, normally, if you hear a sermon about generosity in a church, they're usually talking about your hands. They're usually talking about what you're giving to the church and how you're funding the mission and how you're funding the vision. And it takes money to do anything. So I'm not saying that's wrong, but I think it's somewhat short-sighted to only deal with generosity when the church needs more money. How about we deal with generosity not from the hand standpoint only, but from the heart standpoint? And one of the reasons why I say that is because even when Jesus talked about money and he talked about giving your gift, he said, if you have an ought with your brother, first fix that in your heart and then come and give. So he said, if generosity starts with your hands, it may never be in your heart. But if generosity starts in your heart, it'll eventually get to your hands. So let's, let's put this up. This is after that question. And so let's assume that we all have heart generosity over hand generosity. Nothing wrong with hand generosity, but we want heart generosity to fuel hand generosity. Be, be, before I read that, let, let me say this. And the reason why that's important, because some people will do things with their hands, but their heart's not in it. Some people will give you money, but they're doing it from the standpoint of manipulation. It's really not a heart thing. They're not really being generous. They really have an ulterior motive. Let me talk to you single women. You think he's whining and dining you because he's generous, but at 9 o'clock when you say you want to go home and you don't go back to his house, you find out that there were strings attached with all the whining and dining. The Netflix and chilling and you didn't quite do what he thought you was going to do. You'll find out what was really in his heart. So we want to work from the heart posture, not so much the hand posture. 
And I, I, I don't have time to get all into this, but I've been talking to my staff. I want to adjust really the way we deal with money in church because some of it is really not right. Some of it is beating people up so that the, tra- the pastor can have a better car. Some of it is, be- is beating people up so that I can go to more vacation. No, I-, I don't want to be blessed at the expense of the people that I lead. But that's enough of that. Let me get off of that. And so that leads me back to that word magnanimous. Let's put that back up. So I left it for a second. So I had to look it up because I was like, I know the word, but I don't know the word. So I was like, Siri, what does magnanimous mean? And she brought it up for me. And so I just took it and put it right there for us. It's this, generous. Now, what's interesting is the first synonym for for, uh, generous was magnanimous. And the first word of the definition of magnanimous is the word generous. So they're one and the same. But let's, let's go further in the definition. Generous or forgiving especially toward a rival or less powerful person. So real generosity is not really how much money you give, it's how you treat people from your heart. Especially somebody you don't need. See, I'll treat you good if I need you. Oh, if you're an NFL player and you can get me tickets to the game, oh, yeah, I'm going to be your friend because I can use something from you. But how do you treat the person that you don't need? Not only that, how do you treat the person who has sometimes throughout your life done you wrong? How do you handle your rival? How do you handle somebody that voted opposite of what you believe. How, how do you handle somebody that that didn't look at you the way you wanted them to look at you? You ever have somebody give you a nasty look? Well, forget you too then. Shoot, let me I ain't, look, I ain't got to worry about you, but yeah, that rises up in us. But when you have generosity in your heart, you learn that there are some hills that are not worth dying on. It's not worth me being mad all day long because somebody looked at me funny. It's not worth me reliving what happened to me 25 years ago because how is that benefiting me today? Some stuff I'm going to have to let go because if I don't let it go, it will affect my heart. And if it affects my heart generosity, it will eventually affect my hand generosity. All right, so so we 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 gotta we gotta move a little bit. So back back up to that thing that I said I was going to read that I never read. We're going to say that if it begins and ends with your heart, so let's assume that it does. If generosity begins and ends with your heart, let's put the topic of money off to the side and discuss generosity from a different but deeper level. So we're not going to talk about money at all, but we're still going to talk about generosity. Putting that money topic on the side, maybe we'll talk about it some other time, but today is not today. You can go tell somebody, I heard a whole message on generosity, and it wasn't about money. All right, let's go to point number two, or question number two. So so we we actually answered question one, 
So now the rest of the sermon has to look at this two-part question. What does heart generosity look like, and how do we get our generosity on that level? What does it look like to have generosity from the heart, and how, by looking at the scriptures, how do we get our generosity to grow to that level? Because at the end of the day, People are looking at us and we say we have the answer. So if we have the answer, but we have it hidden in jacked up hearts, it's not going to be that good. Let, let me give, give you an, an example. I, I love filet mignon steak, especially a good one. And I don't care at all for spam. At all. I don't want no spam at all. I'll fast before I eat your spam. But if you, if you take spam and you put it on a crystal plate and you take the filet mignon and you put it in the trash can and you ask me which one do I want, I would rather have the spam because it's packaged much better. I, I trust the crystal plate much more than I trust the trash can. Uh, you mean you're going to give me a filet mignon and you're going to pull it out the trash can? Yeah, but pastor, it's okay. It's, it's cooked just like you like it, but it's in the trash can. This, I don't like the spam, but at least it's on a crystal plate. And the problem I have, we've been serving Jesus in a trash can. And the world is serving spam on a crystal plate. And that's why the world keeps choosing the wrong thing because the church, we're serving Jesus with messed up hearts. Sometimes evil hearts. Mean hearts. Sometimes if you want to be talked about, join a church. Can't nobody talk about you like a Christian can talk about you. Now, of course, other people talk uh, uh, about us too. I, I'm not saying we're the worst, but here's the thing. We are expected to be a cut above and if we don't have generous hearts, instead of being a cut above, we'll be a cut below. So we, 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 we got to work through this. And so let's do this by looking at Luke 10, 25 through 33. Let's, let's start with something very familiar. Let's, let's work through this. Let's look at Luke 10, 25. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher. What should I do to inherit eternal life? That sounds like a very good question. However, it's two things we see in the verse is that number one, he was an expert in religious law. But number two, it says he stood up to test Jesus. He asked, how can I get eternal life? But that's not really why he asked the question. The reason why he asked the question because he had an issue with his heart. And because of that, he was really trying to trip up and trap up Jesus. It's amazing how church folk can say the right thing, but have the wrong motive. Yeah, I could give you a Rolls Royce and you'll be excited, but if I strip the motor out of the Rolls Royce, the best you can do is look at it. Take pictures and put on Instagram, look at my Rolls Royce, but don't nobody know you don't have the motor. And when your heart is messed up, your motor or your motives are wrong. And so this man, he had a good look. He had a good facade. But in his heart, he had a bad motor. Let's, let's keep going a little deeper. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? 
Jesus replied, now, I have to believe that Jesus was smart enough to know that the man was trying to trip him up and trap him up, but I'm interested in how Jesus responded back to him. He just began to get in conversation with him. He, he didn't call him out, I know you're trying to trip me up because I'm the son of God and I know everything. He just began to get in conversation with him. That's quite interesting. Some of us, if we don't agree with people, we act like we can't converse. It's okay to disagree and be agreeable. Jesus began to walk in a total different way, but Jesus had an amazingly generous heart, so generous that he came here to die. But let's look further. Let's look at verse 27. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now remember, he was an expert in the law, so he gave the right answer. Now I'm, I'm going to count it. It says you must love uh, the Lord your God with all your heart, one, soul, two, strength, three, mind, four, and then add it and love your neighbor as yourself, five. So we have heart on one end and we have neighbor on the other end and we have a bunch of things in between. That's a very good answer being an expert from the law. Let's look further. Verse 28. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. Jesus, once again, didn't say, you know, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to trap me up. He just said, you're correct. Do that and you shall live. I, I'm interested in how Jesus was working. It, it's amazing how Jesus operated, knowing that he came to die and knowing that there's going to be so many people that was going to be after him and try to pull him down. But yet he was still generous from his heart. Let's. Look further, verse 29. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, the conversation should have been over because he asked Jesus a question. Jesus said, well, how do you read it? And then he explained to Jesus how he read it, and Jesus said, right, you are correct. Just live by that. That should have been the end of the conversation. But we know ahead that he had a wrong motive in his heart. So he couldn't let the conversation end. He had to dig a little further. And so he said, the scripture says he wanted to justify his actions. So he asked a question, who is my neighbor? Now, he didn't want to know who was his neighbor because he wanted to know. He wanted to know who was his neighbor to justify his actions. Now what's interesting is Jesus never pointed out his actions. But the fact that Jesus was generous from his heart, he began to convict the man and instead of being convicted, he doubled down and tried to justify himself and he decided to keep the conversation going. So I'm certain that Jesus is going to tell him off now. Now that he 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 got he Jesus got him dead to right. This is his chance to really lay into him. Let's see what happens in verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. Wait, wait a second. Jesus replied with a story? Jesus, this is your chance to let him have it. This is your chance to tell him, how I got you. And because of the way we are in this day and age where we got internet and we got articles, and now I can pull out an article and say, I know you're wrong based on this article, but that's not what Jesus did. Jesus just calmly began to tell a story. Let's look at the story he told. So let's, let's see the story Jesus told. 
Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Jesus pulled a Bishop H. Royce Mitchell on him. He went on a rabbit trail. It, it, we don't know where you're going, Jesus, but now Jesus has drawn him in. Now, this guy came to trap Jesus. He had no business doing anything with him, but Jesus had a generous heart. And so he begins to calmly share. Now, many times when you look at the scripture, we always assume that Jesus was always going at the Pharisees, but sometimes we see how just smooth he was and how calm he was and how loving he was and he begins to tell a story there there was this Jewish man now Jesus is talking to Jewish people so he starts off a story that they would have understood there's this Jewish man that was headed somewhere then he got robbed so Jesus being a great storyteller that he is he already got the people's attention he already got you now wait a second this is better than Netflix I, I didn't know what happened to the man that got robbed who who robbed him why did he get robbed what happened what, what are the details Jesus drawing them in. He said this guy was, he, he was attacked by bandits. He was stripped of his clothes. He was beat up. He was left half dead beside the road. Jesus is painting a picture. Let's look at verse 31. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. So there's this Jewish man, and the first thing Jesus mentioned, there is a priest. A priest was the go-between between God and man. So this priest is somebody who really knows God. He's really locked into God. He's, he, he, he's anointed. He's powerful. He, he's a bitch. He's a pope. He's a cardinal. He's a priest. He, he one of the people we know going to heaven. But when he seen the man, he passed by on the other side. It's interesting that the first person Jesus talked about is someone who was supposed to have a relationship with God, but because he didn't have a generous heart, he didn't even have time to get next to him. Now, since I drive all the time, there's many times I'll see possums and raccoons and even deer on the side of the road dead, and you think I stop? No, I don't. I swerve, and I keep on going because I don't care about possums and deer, and I, I don't care about any of that. But this priest didn't treat this man any better than an animal. But he was supposed to have relationship with God. He was supposed to help other people get close to God. And let me tell on us, let me tell on people from the pulpit, sometimes the people in the pews are treated no better than animals. I just want you to come to my church and fill up my church so my church has money and I can tell people how many people I have in my church. But when you really get in trouble, they'll walk to the other side. I'm not talking about the worldly folk. I'm talking about church folk. Folk that have collars and robes and titles. You can have all that, but if you don't have a generous heart, you can watch somebody suffering and it won't affect you at all. So Jesus starts off with this beautiful story. Let's, let, let's go further. Verse 32. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Oh, I got on 
the pulpit, but there was some folk in the pews that wasn't that great either. But at least the person in the pew, at least the temple assistant, he at least went over and looked at him. The, the priest didn't even have time to look at him. The temple assistant at least looked at him, but eventually he went on the other side. That's too messy. Now, now, now when, when you talk about being a church of love, you have to get into some messy stuff. See, everybody that God delivers, he don't deliver instantaneously. So some people get delivered in processes. And if you are assigned to them, then you sometimes have to go through the process with them. And if you don't have a generous heart, you will check out. Listen, you done smoke crack one too many times. Now, the first two times I was there with you, but listen, I'm tired of that. Look, uh-uh, I got to go to church. But what if God wants you to do life with them? It's interesting. So let's, let's, let's continue to read. Let's look at verse 33. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. We only have one person out of the three that had any compassion. And he was a Samaritan. But the only thing that the scripture tells us about the Samaritan is that he was despised. The root word for despicable is the word despise. Now, one of the questions, the framework of this sermon is, one of the questions is, is how do we get this generous heart? And so this guy has compassion. So we got to dig a little deeper on this Samaritan. Now, now, if you know anything about the Samaritan, there's a long history that I don't have time to get into. But, but right after Solomon the kingdom was split into two. It was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The the uh, southern kingdom was Judah, and the seat or the capital of Judah was Jerusalem. Then there was the northern kingdom, and it was Israel, and the capital of Israel was Samaria. But the bloodline of the Messiah was supposed to come from Judah. And so by the time you get to Jesus' day, Samaritans were the mixed-race folk. They weren't accepted by the blacks, they weren't accepted by the whites. They was the mixed folk, to throw it in our vernacular. They, they, they were different. They worshipped different. They, they thought different. And so they were actually the folk that were looked down upon. But the one person that was looked down upon was the only one who had compassion. So I want to deviate from this chapter. I want to put this story about the Good Samaritan. It's called the Good Samaritan. I want to put this on the side for a second, and I want to go somewhere else also in Luke because it reminded me of something. I'm wondering why this man is the only one to have compassion, and the only thing I see in the verse that gives me any clue is he was despised. I wonder, does being despised have anything to do with having a generous heart? So I want to go somewhere else in the scripture, and then we'll come back to this a little later. So let's let's go put it up on the screen where we're going to go. We're going to go back. We're going to go back up in Luke. We're going to go to Luke seven thirty nine through forty three, and then verse forty seven. So let let's look at this. All right, Luke seven thirty nine. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, <clears throat> he said to himself, "If this man were a prophet." He would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, 
that she is a sinner. So Jesus was invited to a place to eat. And had, he had been there for a while. And I'm paraphrasing. There was just this woman that was interacting with Jesus in ways that other people assumed was inappropriate. He, she was worshiping Jesus in a different way. And so here is one of the, actually the person who invited Jesus, the scripture says, bring that back up really quick and I'll point out what I want to point out to it. In verse 39, it says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, the scripture doesn't say he said it out loud, but he thought it in himself. It's interesting that you can be close to Jesus and still have some thoughts that aren't altogether lovely. So let's look at verse 40, Luke 7 and 40. Jesus answered him. Wait a second. He didn't ask Jesus anything. The scripture says Jesus answered him, but verse 39 says the man only said it in himself. So basically Jesus read his mind and spoke to him based on his thoughts alone. Let's Continue to read that in its entirety. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. He said, Simon, I got something to tell you. It was interesting. Simon was probably like, cool, I'm glad Jesus is talking to me. But Jesus had read his thoughts. But once again, Sister Ruth, he didn't dog him out for his thoughts. He knew his thoughts. And Jesus said, I just want, I just want to talk to you. See, we've created Jesus to be somebody that's always going to beat you up, but we're looking at how generous his heart is. He's like, I know what you're thinking, but just let me have a talk with you. Let's, let's kind of look some more in, in verse 41. Two people owed money to a certain Hold, hold on, lender. before you read, read that, he pulled another Bishop Mitchell. He done went on another rabbit trail. Ain't talking about what's going on. But we're seeing the generosity of Jesus' heart. He was trying to correct people, but in a way that didn't uh, diminish them, but in a way that actually strengthened them. He was just trying to tell them. So he, he goes to another story. So we'll go back and read the story in verse 41. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii. And the other 50. Verse 42. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? So he says, I, I, I got a question for you. You got two people that both have debts. But one has a larger debt than the other. And they both had their debts wiped away. Which one is going to appreciate it more. Let's look at verse 43. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Simon was like, I, I guess it's the guy that had the bigger debt. He's probably going to be the more grateful. And Jesus says, yes, you've judged correctly. Now, I, I, I dropped down four verses. So I, don't want to, I don't have time to get into all of it, but look at what he says in the 47th verse. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Mm. 
said, I want to teach you something, Simon. You're, you're, you're talking about this woman because she has a shaky, murky past. She, she, she don't have it all together. She hasn't always done the right thing. And excuse my terminology, if you know anything about the woman, she was a whore in previous life. But it was something about people who messed up, who've been despised, who've been on the bottom of the barrel, who, who've had to scrape and beg and borrow and steal. And I'm not talking about literally, but I'm saying they realize I am nothing. I'm a mess. I'm jacked up. My mind will go crazy. My attitude will be funky. I, I'll do some stuff. My sexual appetite has been out of control. My mouth has been out of control. My, my drinking, my drugging has been out of control. And I'm so glad that God loves me that I'm pouring out my love. My heart is generous not just because I'm generous. My heart is generous because I shouldn't be forgiven the way I've been forgiven. says those who have been forgiven little, they love little. And the opposite is true. Those who have been forgiven much, they love much. Now, the previous story, the Good Samaritan, the scripture says he had compassion. And I'm wondering why he had compassion. It's probably because he was despised. And let me submit to you, the reason some people don't have generous hearts, they ain't been through nothing yet. They still living on their high horse. But blow it real good while you're saved. Now, people who've been saved all your life, you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the ones who know you've messed up. The one who know you look at the wrong stuff. Say the wrong stuff and said, I'm not going to do it this time and find yourself back there. And God bless you anyhow. And God touch you anyhow. And God love you anyhow. And God forgive you anyhow. And God is good to you anyhow. It's something it does to your heart. The reason why I'm not high and mighty because I'm so broken behind closed doors. I'm so empty behind so closed doors. I'm so jacked up behind closed doors. Sometimes I'm surprised that God called me the pastor. I'm sure he could have chose somebody else. But the reason why I love as big as I love, because I've been forgiven. I've been. Wow. And it was a free gift. The one guy asked the question, he says, uh, the scripture says he was trying to justify himself. See, when you mess up real bad, you can't justify it. There's some stuff, bro, Brother Marvin, I got, I was able to lie myself out of. I was able to, you know, but, but there's some stuff I was caught dead to right. It, it was it. It was me. One song says, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. I'm standing in the need of prayer. It's not my mother, it's not my father, but it's me, God. And I'm so glad you love me. I'm so glad you let the sun shine on me. I'm so glad you let my eyes open God. And the reason why my heart is generous and I'm compassionate is because I'm such a mess without him. Hallelujah. I don't understand preachers who act like they've never done nothing wrong. 
Maybe I know the wrong preachers. I'm a preacher. I done done some stuff wrong, but God's been good to me. And in the in the podcast me and my brother did uh, just a few days ago, I, I started talking about the Celtics coach. And if anybody's seen the news, he's gotten himself into a pickle, so to speak. But my heart broke for him because I know what it's like to be in a pickle. Maybe I haven't done what he's done, but I've done some stuff that God has covered. What I don't understand is when God covers you, why you want to uncover somebody else? I, I, don't, I don't get that. The same grace you need is the same grace you should give. If God has covered you, can't you cover somebody else? Oh, no. But this is what church folk do. do, 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 do. Did you hear what Krista did? Ooh, I got the tea on Krista. But I thought you loved Krista. If you love Krista, why wouldn't you go to her? No, no, I'm calling a prayer meeting about it. Oh, you really mean you're calling a gossip meeting? Because ain't no prayer being done. But when your heart is generous, what you want to do, you want to extend a helping hand because it's Krista today but it could be Andre tomorrow. Yeah. And so the priest just walked to the other side. The temple assistant looked and went to the other side. And in the other story, uh, I, the stuff that I didn't read, Jesus said, I come to your house, Simon. Nobody washed my feet. Nobody interacted with me. But this girl, she loved on me because she's coming from the gutter. She done got it out the mud. She, she, she knows what it's like to be lost. She, she knows what it's like to be headed straight to hell. And she's so thankful that God done stepped into her life. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. So I'm submitting to you, in order to have a generous heart, you have to see yourself for who you really are and be so grateful and thankful that God chose to love you in spite of you and choose to extend that same love to your fellow human. Well, my fellow human's Republican. I don't like Republicans. Well, your heart ain't generous enough. Well, my fellow human is Democrats, and I don't like them liberal Democrats. Well, your heart ain't generous enough. Well, my fellow humans is Mexican, and I'm tired of them coming across the board. Well, your heart's not generous enough. When your heart gets generous, you find a way to love beyond disagreements and show people at the end of the day, I may not agree with everything the way you agree, but we sure can love each other because it's about the cross of Jesus Christ. Because guess what? If anybody should have checked out on me, Jesus should have checked out on me. And if anybody should have checked out on you, Jesus should have checked out on you. But he's still giving us a chance. He's still giving us a new day. So because of that, I choose to be generous from my heart. When we say people have become Christians, we ask God into our heart. So why ask him into our heart and then cloud him up with a bunch of junk? Let's get the junk out of our heart so that the love of God can shine through. That's a good place to close, but I don't feel like closing yet.
I want to go back to the Good Samaritan. I want to I pick that back up and then we'll close from there. Let's, let's, let's go back to Luke 10, uh, 34 through 37. All right. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. First of all, he was the only one to even get close to him. But then he soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine. Now, if you know anything about scripture, two signs for the anointing are the olive oil and the wine. So even though this good Samaritan was not the priest and he was not the temple assistant and in the back, can you can you get get back uh, on me? But he was not the priest. He was not the temple assistant, but he was the most anointed of the bunch. Then we don't even know if this guy went to church, but he was the most anointed of the bunch. The scripture says symbolically he had both oil and wine. And he went over to the man and soothed his wounds. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody came and soothed your wounds? Don't you know what it feels like to have your wounds soothed when someone could have poured salt in the wound? When someone could have just told you how bad it was? I've counseled men who are in the throes of divorce. And they're looking at me and they're saying, Pastor, it's my fault. I'm losing my wife. It ain't her. It's me. How how would it be like, yeah, you big dummy. Yeah, she about to go get somebody else. You're so stupid. That that, that doesn't do him any good. So all I can do is soothe him so he'll be prepared and healed for whoever's next. Yes, he blew this one, but maybe he'll get the next one right. So he soothed his wounds. Let's... Let's go further. Verse 35. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay the next time I'm here. Wait a second. I said I wasn't going to talk about money, but I did tell you that when your heart is generous, your hand will be generous. And so not only did he soothe his wounds, He said, I'm going to take him and put him in the hotel. And I'm going to tell the hotel manager, whatever he needs, take care of it and charge it to my account. Now, Jesus was talking about the good Samaritan in a parable, but Jesus was getting ready to do the same thing some days or weeks or months or years later. He was going to get on a cross And he was going to tell the sin to be charged to my account. What you don't understand is when you look at the cross, you see Andre's sins. Even though you don't see Andre's sins, but they were charged to the cross. One rapper said, charge it to the game. But I'm here to say, I charge it to the cross. And the reason why I am what I am, because somebody soothed my wounds and somebody washed my sins and somebody changed my life. And he charged it to the cross and he bled with his own blood. And there were holes in his hands and there were holes in his feet. There was a crown falling on his head. But his heart was so generous that his hand and his life was generous too. And I am who I am because I serve a generous God. 
Huh? I am who I am because I serve a generous God. And I wonder if we would get the filet mignon out the trash can and get it back on the crystal plate and then tell people I'm not about a God that will judge them and a God that will lightning strike them and a God that hates them but a God that has charged it to the cross maybe people would come to know the truth and the living God I don't have time to get on this but it's just something I thought I don't know if he knew the end's keeper but his heart was so generous that the innkeeper believed him that he was a man of his word, that whatever was needed, he would come and pay. Let's go two more verses, then we finish. Let's look at verse 36. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. Oh, remember, this was a rabbit trail, but Jesus knew what he was doing. He goes all the way back to that question. And the only reason why the question was asked, because the man was trying to justify himself. He said, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus asked, which one of these three men do you think was a neighbor? Now, the man he was talking to was Jewish. The man he was talking about who was the best of them all was not the Jewish one. He was the one that was despised, that was looked down. And let me tell you something. It's some wino somewhere drinking himself to sleep that God getting ready to turn around and use him to, to, to preach a revival all across this country. Because when God choose who he want to choose, you can't stop it. Because when God says he's ready to deliver somebody, and I'm here to let you know it may not come. By somebody you think. Maybe by somebody different. So, out of these three, you who are trying to trap me up, never once did Jesus dog the man for trying to trap him up. He just began to teach him truth. And then let's look at verse 37. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. I... I wonder, did the man asking the question have a heart change in that moment? Because it no longer talks about him trying to test Jesus or trying to justify Jesus, but he makes a pure statement. I guess it was the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, that's all I ask for you. Go and do the same. If you want a generous heart, first what you got to do, you got to receive mercy from God. Because one of the worst people to forgive is to forgive your own self. But the good thing about it is Jesus didn't ask you to forgive you. He asked you to receive the forgiveness that he's already given. And when you receive the forgiveness and the mercy in your heart, what's so beautiful about it is your heart is too small to receive all his mercy. And so he gives you more mercy than what you can receive so that you can take that mercy and be generous with it and give it to somebody else. Now, as we close there's somebody that probably needs to be forgiven from you. And yes, you may have a right to hold on to it. You may have a right to still be upset with them. You may have a right to still be mad at them. But maybe you can try using some mercy and extending some mercy. And just because you extend mercy doesn't mean they get away. Because when you get them off of your hook, God can put them on his hook. But it's not your job to worry about. It's your job to say, God, I want to have a generous heart. And I want to take the mercy that I'm receiving from you 
and I want to share it with somebody else. Somebody say this with me. Say, a generous heart. A generous One more time, a generous heart. All right, we're going we're gonna to make these two confessions, and this is how we're going to close. This is the first confession that I want us to make. Just simply this, Lord, Lord give, me a heart. give me a generous heart. Let's say it again. Lord, Lord give, me give me a generous heart. Now, when you say that, God may choose avenues to give you a generous heart may not be the avenue you would have chosen. I was talking to someone not too long ago, and they were asking how do they get out of a dark place? And I was letting them know that light doesn't shine best in light. Light shines best in darkness. So you may end up in a dark place just to see how good God is. But guess what? He'll give you the generous heart and he won't leave you lonely in the dark place. He will bring you out. And here's the thing. He'll give you a testimony in your test and he'll give you a message out of your mess. Here's the last thing we're going to confess. This is what G, this is what uh, Paul confessed, not Paul, excuse me. This is what David confessed in Psalms. And so we'll confess it. It's a scripture. We'll say this, and this is how we will close. Psalms 51.10 says this. When they bring it up, repeat after me. Create in me, Create in me a, clean a clean heart, O God, o God. And, renew a right and renew a right spirit within me. One final time, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We're asking God to reach down into our hearts and adjust it so our hearts will become generous again. And that generosity will affect the rest of our lives, specifically how we treat one another. Let's stand to our feet and then we will pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, we come to you humbly as your servants. And God, we ask you to forgive us for anything that we have in our heart that keeps us from being what we need to be. But God, we're not trying to trap you up or justify ourselves, but we're laying our heart bare before you and saying, God, you can have your way with our hearts. But what we're asking for you to do is deposit generosity and mercy in our hearts so that when it's our turn to help heal someone else, the same love you show us, we'll extend it to others. Now, Father God, there's anybody under the sound of my voice in the building or online that doesn't know you in the pardon of their sins. I pray that they would just say these simple words. Father God, come into my heart. Come into my life. Rearrange me. Change me. And give me the opportunity to be a witness for you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. We love you. You are dismissed. If you need prayer for any reason, I will stay up to pray with you. But blessings to you.